Have you all ever found your, yourself in a place where, um, where you're just not sure what you're being led to do? You, you know that, uh, that God is calling you to something different or new, or at least um, uh, nudging you, and you're just not sure what it is. Have any of you ever been there? Have any of you ever experienced in that moment as you've tried things and you've run up against brick walls and you keep trying things that, that suddenly um, you either have this vision or this experience or this strong sense uh, from the Spirit um, that this is the direction um, that you are intended to go? Um, I, I know there's at least a couple sitting right here as I'm, I'm thinking and looking at Becky and Mike who are new to our congregation who came from Las Vegas, and, and I've heard part of their story, and, and uh, maybe you all should take a chance to hear their story of how they've ended up here, which is this journey of the Spirit, isn't it? Um, and the reality is, I don't, I don't know if I've ever told you how I ended up here, uh, but it's a, it's a similar story in that, um, you, you know, in the Methodist church, as as pastors, we are appointed by the bishop to where we serve. Um, and uh, each year, that's subject to change. Um, but uh, what happens is a congregation gets to give input as to whether um, they think it's uh, good for the mission of the church if the pastor hangs around, and the pastor gives a similar uh, assessment. And so usually what happens is when uh, both say, um, we think it's important for the mission, uh, the pastor stays put. Uh, when both say it's time for a change, usually the pastor goes. Um, when there's some disagreement, um, that, it's up to the bishop to make that decision, right? That's, it's up to the bishop and cabinet to make those decisions. Uh, but anyway, um, about a little over a year and a half ago, um, um, we, the, the church where I served and myself, um, in discerning, we thought that it would still be good if I stayed where I was. And so that's what we were anticipating happening. Um, and um, along about March, I think it was, was it March, February, March? Um, um, I had been on a trip to a, a um, seminar uh, down in Florida. And I'm on the way back from that seminar and I, I'm just in prayer and, and seeking guidance because uh, the place where I had been, we'd tried many different things and had never uh, been able to necessarily move forward. And I'm sitting there on the pray, uh, plane, uh, praying, taking in what I heard in this seminar. And, and, and I hear this um, clear voice. Um, you've done all you can do where you are. It's time to move on. Now, the problem with that is I've already filled out the paperwork. Appointment season comes June the 1st. Um, and I'm thinking, well, obviously this means I've got another um, 15 months here, um, or at, at least until the end of the year to see if that's still what the Spirit is saying, so I fill out paperwork differently next year. Um, and I no sooner get home, I sit down, we're having dinner, and the phone rings. And it's the district superintendent. Now, I'm still, I'm kind of dense, so it's still not registering. You know, district superintendent calls you during appointment season. Normally, you know um, what that means. Well, I'm not expecting that. I'm sure I'm staying. I pick up the phone, and the district superintendent says, I know um, you're not expecting this call, 
uh, but um, the cabinet um, and the bishop want you to go serve in this community in northwest Missouri called Cameron, Missouri. I knew what the answer needed to be. Of course, because neither I or the church had, um, had said that we wanted to change, um, in those cases, they really do give a pastor flexibility. Um, they give a pastor the flexibility to say, I appreciate that, but I think I need to stay. Um, I knew that that wasn't the right answer. Because just a few hours earlier, I had heard this clear indication from the Spirit it, it, it's, it's time to move on. It, it's time to allow someone else to come into the church where you are um, that may have different perspectives and different gifts and may be able to move them forward. And um, you're going up here to northwest Missouri. I'm still not sure why God sent me here. Uh, I, I, I um, still find myself... Um, trying to understand. And so I appreciate, I share that to say, I appreciate the story from Acts that we read today. Um, coming from chapter 16 in um, Acts, um, Paul and Barnabas, if you remember, if you were here last week, Paul and Barnabas, they, they um, have returned from the Jerusalem council in which uh, the church in Jerusalem, the, the apostles uh, that were with Jesus have made this decision uh, that Gentiles do not need to be circumcised and all they're going to require, they're going to begin to erase these boundaries of who's in and out and all that they're going to require is that Gentiles stop following idols and other gods and participating in those practices and instead turn toward Jesus and follow the way of Jesus. And so Paul and Barnabas re return to Antioch and they have this wonderful plan or Paul has this wonderful plan. We're going to go back to these churches that we went to in Galatia, which is modern day Turkey. We're going to go back to those churches. We're going to tell them this good news. We're going to uh, seek to strengthen these churches. Well, at the end of 15, we find out that Paul and Barnabas, they have a little falling out over uh, John Mark, over somebody else. And, and so uh, Paul um, has Silas go along with him, and um, they head off back to uh, Derby and Lystra and all of these places where uh, Paul and Barnabas had been before. And... Um, in the midst of this, they, they get another team member, Timothy, and we read, read about that in the first um, five verses of chapter 16. But in verse 6, um, here is, uh, we, we pick up the story in verse 6, after Paul and Silas and Timothy have gone around the Galatia area, they've been to Derby and Lystra, and they strengthen the churches and they're nourished, we read this, Paul and his companions traveled through and out of the regions of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit kept them from speaking the word in the province of Asia. In other words, as they, as they left these places, they, they kind of headed south toward Ephesus and they thought they were going to go down there and whatever was going on, um, they were, um, the, the Holy Spirit kept them from speaking the word in the province of Asia. And when they approached the province of um, Mysiah, they tried to enter the province of Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them. Passing by Mysiah, they went down to Troas, 
instead, and a vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. And this man, he stood urging Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Immediately after he saw the vision, we, the team, uh, prepared to leave for the province of Macedonia because we discerned that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. I find this passage fascinating. Um, we, we are told, I mean, I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. I mean, if anybody um, was in tune with the Spirit, it would be Paul. And yet we're told he, he's on this journey, he has this plan, um, and uh, he visits uh, uh, Derby and he visits Lystra, and then he's going to go to some other communities, and for whatever reason, um, he is uh, hindered in proclaiming the Word. Now, I don't know, I kind of suspect that Paul had this model down, right? I mean, we've been reading the story. Paul had this model down. He goes to a new community. He goes into the synagogue. He shares the good news. Some of the Jewish people recognize Jesus as Messiah, and they begin to proclaim it, and he stays there until others in the synagogue chase him out. And then he goes out into the city, and he shares amongst the Gentiles, and he begins to shape and to form these communities around Jesus. And, and I suspect that, that Paul is like, I got this down. Yeah, I, I, I've got this down. And so he's, this is what he's planning on doing. And yet when he goes into one of these communities, whether uh, maybe he loses his voice, I don't know. Uh, maybe COVID-19 comes along, I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, something comes along and he gets sick and, and he can't do uh, what he intended to do. And so he is hindered. Um, and then um, we're told that when he tries to go up north, when he tries to go up north, he, he can't even get into the territory. Somehow the Spirit hinders him from moving into the territory or from going up there. And, and, and Paul must be scratching his head at this point in time. I mean, he must be wondering, what, what is going on? I, I mean, um, I've had such success at sharing the gospel in these places and in this way. Um, what, is, what is going on? And so we're told they kind of meander over to the port city of Trios, which is in the northwest corner of, Norder, of uh, northwestern Turkey. Um, and they're hanging out there. And Paul has this vision. This Macedonia man is saying, come over here. Come and help us. And Paul um, shares this with his team. And uh, they all say, well, that seems to make sense to us. It must be the Spirit leading us to go across, uh, to go across the strait and, and into what's modern-day Greece, into Macedonia, this area between the Adriatic Sea and the Aegean. And so they make a beeline for Philippi. They make this beeline for Philippi, and this is the first time in Acts that it emphasizes Philippi is a Roman colony. 
I mean, now all the other places have been a part of the Roman Empire, but it emphasizes in this passage that Philippi is a Roman colony filled with citizens of Rome. And we get this, if we're paying attention, we get this clear picture that um, Acts 1.8 is coming to fruition, yes? They are now going to the ends of the earth. But what I find interesting, if we keep reading in chapter 16, as they go into Macedonia, as they go to Philippi, as they go into the city of Philippi, apparently there is no synagogue. Uh, to, to form a synagogue, I think, it, I think you have to have, I think it's 10 male Jewish people to form a synagogue, so there must not have been 10 male Jewish people in Philippi. So this is a lot different than the places where he has been. And so Paul enters Philippi, and on the Sabbath, they go down by the river, hoping to find people who are praying to God, I guess. I mean, it says they they go down to the the river um, uh, looking for folks or to pray, and sure enough, they get down to the river, and there's this group of women gathered at the river. And apparently among them is this one woman called Lydia, who is a God-fearer. In other words, she knows who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is, and she's got some interest and maybe even affiliated with. um, and, And they're hanging out at the river. Not at the synagogue, at the river. And Paul and his team, they kind of sit down among them. And they begin to have this conversation. And of course, the Apostle Paul, being who he is, he um, can't help himself. Uh, But I'm sure as part of the conversation, as they begin to talk about God, uh, Paul has this sense that um, he needs to share the good news about Jesus. He needs to share the good news that one has come who has been uh, faithful in serving the purposes of God and has created, um, has opened up this way in which all people can be healed, in which all people might be reconciled with God, in which all people might experience the love and the grace of God. And we are told that Lydia is so moved by what he has shared uh, that Lydia is baptized. Her whole household is baptized. Because you see, in the Roman world, if the head of the household uh, changes faith and changes their allegiance, then the whole household's allegiance is given to that person. Her whole household is baptized. And she extends hospitality to Paul and his team as she invites them into her house. What a marvelous story this is. And then as we, as we continue to hear this story in Philippi, um, again, we see Paul doing ministry in this unconventional place. He's on a Sabbath. He's on his way to probably Lydia's house where maybe they've now formed this house church, this place where people who want to know more about Jesus can gather. And he's on his way and and, and he's on the streets and there's this slave woman that's been following him for days now uh, saying, these people are servants of the Most High God. Now, 
uh, it is not likely that she meant the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's more likely that she was um, indicating that uh, they were maybe servants of the local God in the district. But, uh, but whatever was going on, after a few days of this, uh, Paul was a little tired of it, and so he turns around and, and he chases this spirit out of her, which was enabling her uh, to um, predict the future. She was a diviner owned by somebody who was making money off her telling them of their future. And so uh, Paul um, frees her from the Spirit. Of course, in freeing her from the Spirit, um, he frees her owner from his source of income. And so he's not a very happy camper. And so um, he begins to stir up problems. He, he begins to stir up things against Paul, and he says, uh, "These Jewish people, this Jewish team of folks, they've come into our community, and they're sharing stuff and encouraging us to do things that we Romans should not do or should not practice." And as a result, Paul is beaten and he's thrown into prison. And once again, once again, we see Paul um, doing ministry in non-conventional context. His response to being thrown in prison, he and Silas, their response to being thrown in prison is not to sulk in the corner, um, but instead they begin to sing and offer praise to God. And it says everybody in the jailhouse is hearing them. And they must be thinking, what weird God do they worship that when they're imprisoned and beaten, they still sing praises to this God? And in the midst of them worshiping, we're told that there's an earthquake that, that shatters the jail, opens the doors, and, and breaks all of them free of their shackles. And in that same instance, the jailer awakens. Fearful now as he sees the doors open, fearful uh, that his life will be taken because his prisoners have escaped. And so he begins um, intent on taking his own life. And Paul says, wait a second. We're still here. And now the jailer's got to really be scratching his head because he's saying, what person, when the doors of prison are open and the shackles are dropped off, just hangs out in prison and waits for the jailer to wake up? Tell me more about this God that you worship. And Paul and Silas, they share about God and about Jesus and about the good news, about the fact that Jesus can set anyone free. And the jailer hears this good news. It must touch a place in his life and in his heart where he realizes that there are parts of his being that need to be healed. There is a wholeness that he has not experienced. And so, like Lydia, he and his whole household are baptized. And they show hospitality to Paul and his team. If that's not enough, if that's not enough, the next morning the authorities come and the authorities have decided, well, they're going to show Paul and Silas some grace and they're just going to let them go and not charge them or not imprison them any longer. And, and Paul says this strange thing that we don't quite get. Paul says, well, you know I'm a Roman citizen. 
And the reason this becomes important is because a Roman citizen could not be beaten or imprisoned unless they went through the court process. And to do so could bring um, repercussions on the folks who had done that. And so it's almost like Paul is saying to these authorities, you think that you're showing me grace, I'm showing you grace. I'm not going to hold it against you that you've beaten the wrong. I'm not going to take you to, to the Roman courts. You're receiving grace. I've been freed by Jesus, not by Roman authorities. Now, all of these things happen. Because, because Paul, well, when he realizes um, in, in Galatia, when he realizes that uh, something's going on and he can't continue to do ministry the way that he's doing it or he's being hindered or held back or, or something is happening uh, that um, causes him not to be able to do this, he continues uh, to move and, and to try this and that, but always being attuned to the Holy Spirit. And he hears the voice from this man this vision saying, come and help us in Macedonia. And we see as he enters into this place, no longer can he do ministry in the way that he did it in Galatia. There's no synagogues to go into. Uh, there's no organized houses to go into. Instead, he discovers that God is calling him and his team to do ministry down by the river. He's calling them to do ministry in the streets of the city. He's calling them to do ministry from a prison cell. Sometimes, sometimes if we pay attention to the Holy Spirit, we begin to realize that God is calling us to do ministry in a different way. The longer I am here, the more it seems to me that God is saying the majority of the ministry that needs to happen here is not going to happen in this space. Or in this building. It's going to happen down by the creek. And out in the streets. And at the schools. And at the other places. In Cameron. For the last several. For the last couple of months. On Thursdays. The food pantry has had a, a pop-up pantry. That is um, Food comes over from Second Harvest, and um, anybody who wants lines up along 4th Street so they can receive some of this, uh, this food. A and um, I have had this wonderful privilege of um, my responsibility for this has been to go down to each of the cars and find out how many families they're picking up food for and how many people that are going to be served. That's my official instructions. I have been able to do such great ministry 
by simply walking from car to car. And, and, and you may guess it if you've hung around me. You know that I don't simply say, how many families, how many people? Okay, here's your sticker and move on. I'm not too good at that. Yes? I, I, I mean, I'm like, how's your day? Oh, uh, that's a cute dog you have. You're working on a crossword puzzle. What are you reading? And I don't, they, may think I'm, they, they may be annoyed at me, uh, but they seem to... Um, they, they seem to engage me. They don't roll their eyes and say, get out of here. But I've had this wonderful, and so I've done this for several weeks now, and so I'm recognizing some of the same people. And, and some of them, I'm able to look at their faces and, and, and say, oh, um, I, I, last time you were, you were struggling with this, how are you doing? Sometimes... Pick your toes up off the ground. Sometimes I feel like I do more ministry on Thursday than I do on Sunday. I feel like I'm helping people who are searching and seeking rather than speaking to people who are just checking the box and showing up. It seems to me that the real ministry to be done here in Cameron is out there. Rather than creating space for people to come to us, how do we go to them? I was reminded again this week as someone from the congregation called me and, and, and said, hey, you know, remember back in October, September, I don't know when it was, sometime um, in some message I talked about, um, I, I just have this vision that we could make such a difference in Cameron if we could find a way to improve housing for folks, whether it's with Habitat for Humanity or whatever. And, and this person called and they said, um, that's... That's stuck. That burr is stuck. And, and I got some ideas. Can we explore that? I don't know. I know that the Spirit has sent me to this place. But I think the Spirit... He's not sending me to go to Ephesus or to go to Bithynia, but he sent me to Macedonia. He's calling us to Macedonia to hear the people in our community that are crying out for help. Whether it be um, financial or emotional or spiritual, but crying out for help. Wanting to know, are we willing to leave our building and go down by the river, go down by the creek, walk the streets, find the places where we naturally engage people and begin to truly make a difference 
by not just proclaiming the words of Christ, but being his hands and his feet. Let us hear the Spirit this day. Let us commit to participate in ministry to Macedonia. Amen?